Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. I'm Nick Watson on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. And today we're going to be talking about pitching. Specifically, we're going to be digging deeper into what pitching looks like on the TV side. Uh, so that means who you'll be pitching to, the kinds of pitching you'll be doing, and just general do's and don'ts about pitching. Yeah, we can certainly go into the structure and format of pitching in more detail in another episode. This is more of an overview of what you should expect at each step along the way. Uh, or as I like to call it, got 99 problems, but a pitch ain't one. So what is pitching and why are we talking about it? Now, when we say pitch, we're not just talking about the sales pitch. What we're actually talking about is just expressing what your show is about and why someone should care. That expression usually comes in two forms, and that's either a verbal pitch or a pitch document. Briefly, a verbal pitch is a spoken conversation or presentation about your show, while a pitch document is that pitch in document form. It's pretty much a more streamlined written version of the verbal pitch. And both come in various forms and length which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, and it's important to preface that since this is a TV writing podcast, we will only be talking about TV pitches and specifically original pilots. So this is either getting someone interested in reading your script as a sample or maybe even to buy and develop the idea for their company or network. Right, and uh, the three major contexts where you will be pitching and actually the ones we'll be talking about here are a cold or casual pitch. And that's usually when you're pitching to someone who has never heard of your idea or even asked for it. Yeah. The next one is a general pitch. That's when you're pitching to someone who's either already interested in you as a writer or your project, and they want to know a little more and learn about it. And finally, there's the sales pitch. That's when you're going to be pitching your show to high-level executives, aka the decision makers, with the goal of either having them attach themselves to your project or becoming financially invested in it. Uh, so that would be buying, optioning, investing, or developing your show. So we'll be covering each of those three forms of pitching in this episode, discussing the do's and don'ts for each, both with our first-hand experiences and maybe some second-hand ones as well. All right, so as we said, the first type of pitch is the more cold or casual pitch. That's when you'll be pitching to someone who has never heard of your idea or you or even asked for it. So where do those kinds of casual pitches happen? You could break it down into two things, like either a casual setting or a professional setting. So in a professional setting, you're looking at things like pitch festivals, competitions, online, uh, sometimes even in person as well. So a pitch festival is generally those kind of like speed dating pitches. Everyone gets maybe like five minutes to sit down at a company or an agent or whoever it happens to be. And uh, you kind of like rotate around for a, a solid couple of hours or something. And you're, you're looking for someone to produce your script or maybe even find an agent or a manager if you're at that stage. Um, I've actually never kind of like paid to attend one of these. I've been invited to a couple of them before, but sometimes it could be in the hundreds of dollars. It could be a little bit cheaper really still depends on the organization. Right. The next kind of professional setting pitch would be more of a pitch competition like the Austin Film Festival, where you're going to be in front of a panel of judges and it's within a contest where the best pitch, whatever that means, will win a prize and potentially get that script read by, you know, the decision makers or higher level people. And that's especially for Austin, that's part of the, the festival badge, depending on the level you get. 
I know there's one called like the Great American Pitch Fest as well, where I think it's that kind of format too. And another one that's been coming about recently are these online pitches. They're kind of like one-on-one Skype pitches. I know the company Stage 32 does a lot of them. And uh, so you're actually kind of like Skyping with an exec, usually on the weekend. And this can either be to try and get your, your script produced, or it could be to try and get yourself represented, depending on who you're pitching to. And I think they cost somewhere around like $30 for a 10 or 15 minute pitch to these people. Right. And so these are more the professional setting, casual pitches. Now there's the more social setting, uh, which would be usually when you're having a drink with someone, maybe you ask them at a mixer to grab a drink. Uh, maybe you're literally seeing them in an elevator and suddenly you're pitching to them, right? <laughs> and that is the, the trope. But I do actually recommend that you don't do the quote unquote elevator pitch. I did hear a story very recently about um, one of my friends at their work had someone wander into like the foyer of their management company. It's also a production company and started reciting his pitch out loud to anyone who would hear it. He demanded them to like send executives out to meet him so he could pitch to them and when they didn't come out he was just pitching to the assistants and to like the receptionist even as like security was kind of dragging him out you have to kind of realize that that is incredibly abrasive and no one really cares you you need like at least basic social or professional permission even in one of these cold or casual pitches so if you had drinks with someone and like oh hey you're a writer well what are you working on uh that's when you can kind of like be well it's about this and that but just be careful because some people do just want to talk as humans over drinks and not hear your pitches if you're a writer because they do that all day at their job yeah pl- please don't drag me away you haven't heard my second act twist yet oh so good uh, no m night we, uh, uh, what what, what? Uh, true story uh so now that we looked at where you'll be doing those casual pitches let's look at who you're going to be talking to and who's going to hear it uh and usually that's anyone who's willing to listen know that i said willing to listen yes um and so who are those people well usually they're the lower level people at this stage especially in those pitch festivals you've got like assistants to agents and managers assistants to executives uh some junior executives like that kind of like coordinator manager creative executive level and sometimes you even do get the principles of small or boutique companies showing up at those places, but you're not going to get like uh, Ari Emanuel from CIA sitting down at a table hearing everyone's pitches. Really? Because uh, I saw him last night at, uh, <laughs> at Starbucks and I just sat next to him and then I told him about this 10 page Bible I wrote. Didn't the barista like write their log line on his cup and hand it to mm-hmm. him? Yeah. <laughs> uh, can I get a, a stranger walks into a bar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just check your expectations about that as well. I recently went to a pitch fest as an industry representative on behalf of my boss's company. And um, I listened to a bunch of pitches for two hours. And then I went for a toilet break. And I heard this guy in the next like urinal over being like lamenting to himself out loud. He's like, oh, none of these people have the power to green light my show. I'm like, well, neither do you, buddy. Like, and you're not mm-hmm. going to impress anyone with that attitude. You need to like work your way up through these gatekeepers if you ever want to get the chance. Exactly. I mean, it's a lot about the, the, um, the context of where you'll be pitching. And that does bring us like another question, which is, you know, a lot of those pitch festivals or even contests uh, have a fee, as we said. So is it really worth paying for pitching, do you think? It's a really good question. I think it depends on what you want to get out of it and what level and stage you're at in your career as a writer. So I used to pay to enter a lot of screenplay competitions, um, particularly when I was back living in Australia and in Canada before I got on the, the ground here. And that was because I didn't really know anyone that I could get my script into the hands of. This was my way to kind of reach out and make those connections and get people to read me. But now that I'm living here and I do have a lot more connections and I have a manager, it's, it's almost unnecessary, aside from some of the bigger competitions where you could like win a prize and get a lot of prestige and stuff from them. So if you're just starting out and 
paying for either like a pitch or a pitch festival or a competition or something that could get you your first meeting or someone to champion your script, as long as it's a reputable company and you're happy to pay that amount, you don't feel like you're being overcharged or swindled, then it's really up to you. I'm not going to like judge you either way. Yeah, I mean, the parallel to competitions is interesting because uh, much like you, earlier on, I used to send my script to a bunch of competitions that mm-hmm. maybe did not amount to anything, but some of it is ego boosting. Right? Oh, yeah. You want you want to go and check that, oh, I'm writing this in a vacuum. Do other people like it? And with pitches or pitch festivals, it's similar in the sense that, especially when you're a lower level writer, you want to get that feedback and kind of this training where it's more lower stakes. It's more, uh, you're going to go out and you're going to meet like an assistant at some company and you're going to pitch him or her your story. And the stakes are so low at that point that, I mean, in that moment, you'll think, oh my God, it's going to make or break my career. But in actuality, in the, in the grand scale, it's just a casual pitch. Having that experience of going out and pitching at lower stakes is, I feel, really important as a junior writer. It is a great experience. I remember I went to one from, I think, the script pipeline company, and uh, I was pitching my my idea to all these different companies. And there was one company there, I think it was Lakeshore, who were very popular, and everyone was queuing up out of the room to get there. And by the time I got there and pitched to them, gave them my pitch, they were like, very honest with me, they're like, look, this isn't the kind of stuff we can do. I was pitching him an animated comedy, like, but that was the best pitch we heard all day. And so that was like a huge ego boost. And it's like, wow, I know that I'm on the right track. I know that I'm pitching the right things. I know that my ideas are interesting to people, even if it's not the kind of thing they can make. So it does really help to get you to that level. But it is important, I guess, to note that professional writers and people who are in that that realm never really have to pay anyone to hear their pitches because it's a mutual benefit to both parties to hear a good and potentially sellable pitch. It can make both parties money and uh, particularly at the low levels, get them looked on favorably by their bosses for bringing them something great. Right. That's why ultimately, unless you're a junior writer, I don't necessarily think that going to this pitch festivals are worth your time as, as long as you have people who are willing to listen for free and mm-hmm. are people that are connected to decision makers. Yeah, the same thing applies to notes a little bit as well, as eventually when you build up enough friends and things we were talking about now, reading young and people who are working, you will very rarely have to pay for coverage because you have that trusted net. But, you know, to, if you need to get to that level, go through some of these things to get there, then sure, I mean, go for it. I think it's worth talking about the goal of those more casual cold pitches. And at this stage, it's simple. It's so that you have someone else be interested or want to learn more about either your script your material, or even yourself as a writer, you're selling who you are as a person through that story. It's about giving someone a compelling kind of like one-on-one version of your show, not just going over every single detail in the first uh, breath. Yeah, certainly at these levels, it is far more often about just selling yourself as a writer through that idea rather than expecting to have your show bought in the room and on TV next year. Yeah, isn't that a common story that a guy walks into a bar, talks to a someone at a stool and then next thing you know he's a showrunner on a cbs show <laughs> we took out mickey whatever mickey Fisher. that's yeah. definitely not how it happened at all actually it's through a contest but yeah. nonetheless all right so let's throw out some kind of important do's and don'ts in these cold casual pitches number one i feel like is you should not overwhelm the other person you're talking to uh with just a batch of ideas or thoughts it's always more efficient to go in with one strong pitch than a bunch of cool ideas. Remember that in this industry and TV especially, it's all about the execution, not your idea. Don't just half-ass 10 pitches. You know, you should full-ass one, as Ron Swanson would say. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, that was another thing that kind of like when I was hearing people's pitches, people would often be like, well, what do you want to hear? I've got these four ideas. Like, I'm going to give you the logline of each room and you tell me which one you want. I'm like, no, I'd much rather you be passionate about one thing in particular and then pitch that to me. And if I'm not into it, then maybe I'll be like, oh, cool. Like, what else are you working on? But I I don't want to have to like play choose your own adventure with your pitch. (laughs) Well, that, that's actually an interesting uh, way of going about it. Just like, choose your own adventure. Uh, a, he gets the girl. Uh, B, he doesn't. What do you want? Here's my paint by numbers script. Like, you tell me what you want to see. So another thing is also to have a one pager with your contact details. A business card is fine, but it's much easier to get lost or they may not remember exactly what this person who has this business card pitched to them. The more steps someone has to go through to track you down, if they liked your pitch, the less likely you're ever going to hear from them. So include your email, include your phone number. If I have to call or email someone else and wait for them to get me your details, I might not even bother. So help me to help you. Right. And uh, also you need to have your pitch be memorable, whether it's like a two minute pitch or five minute pitch or even a 30 minute pitch you know if you have attachments i.e people that are names that are interested in your project don't be afraid to let other people know about it again it's assuming that it's not just a pure name dropping and that attachment actually means something yeah an actor or a director or someone who's willing to champion this script for you who could actually have some sway in the industry could be appealing to people also, don't run super short, like use the time that you have. If you have five minutes, use three and a half minutes, four minutes, and then leave a little bit of time for questions. You know, you never want to still be pitching when the timer runs out. But at the same time, I don't want you to pitch me the log line and then sit there for the next four, <laughs> four minutes, like expecting me to do the work for you and ask you exactly what, what I need to know. Or if it's a speed pitching event, I'll just longingly gaze into your eyes, Nick, for <laughs> three minutes. It was just an excuse to see you. You don't Aww. remember me? Aw. Well, that's cute. Uh, also, don't be that guy or girl who uh, comes into a pitch fest with a 90-page printed script. Not only can we not take it legally, or these people cannot take it legally, but if they actually care about it, they're going to request it. And also, most people have, you know, iPads or phones or computers. You know, it's uh, 2016 right now. So physical scripts are only for production. On the, at the same time, you know, you shouldn't be overprotective and you shouldn't be the person that instead of bringing the one page or of their pitch, they're bringing a one page of an NDA that you can be signing. <laughs> um, you know, you're not really at the bad robot J.J. Abrams level where you can print your script on red paper and only have them read it in like 10 minute increments in a secure room. Yeah, unfortunately, that's like a classic sign of an amateur, someone who is unwilling to share their ideas. Like no one is trying to steal unknown writers ideas and Letting people read your script is a good way to get them made, not like, you know, or to get your, them interested in you. It's no one's ever going to take it and then go and do all the work and take credit for it. It's such a stupid fear, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even the the writers that, uh, or the higher level writers uh, where you have that level of secrecy, mm-hmm. uh, they only do it because of fear of spoilers and leaks. They don't mm-hmm. do it because they fear other people may steal their ideas. Yeah, J.J. Abrams isn't concerned that someone else is going to go make Star Wars first because his script got out. <laughs> it's oh my like, God, what? <laughs> So uh, I think George Lucas did there. Um, <laughs> oh, awkward. Uh, right. So if you are doing this like speed dating pitching scenario thing, realize as well that everyone has different preferences and styles of how they like to hear pitches. Some people will lead and ask a lot of questions and some people just want to hear you pitch to them and then they'll smile and say thank you and go on their way. 
Also, by the same token, don't expect people to hand you their business card or even ask them. Um, generally, if we're interested or if people are interested, they're going to contact you. The last thing people want is just a bunch of writers calling their workplace in the middle of the night asking if they read the script. You know, it's like dating. You don't want to be the one making that move. You want them to lead the dance. <laughs> That's very French of you, Alex. Oh. Um, with like a rose clutch in your teeth. Um, yeah, no, it's totally true, though. I had someone like track me down online off this pitch fest and find my email, I guess, off of, you know, one of the studio system things and uh, email repitching his stuff in the email. So I was like, if, if I wanted that, I would have asked. Like, I would have given you my contact details. Awkward. And, and it was also like several days after. Like, it wasn't even like a week or two weeks. So, like, remember what we said about following up, guys. Yeah, it was, it's basically uh, love at first sight, right? You, um... <laughs> so the, the pitch fest that I attended as well, everyone actually had name tags with like the place that they had come from. And while I found that interesting, and I certainly respected how far some people had come for this event, from all the way up the other side of the country or, you know, Canada or even somewhere else in the world. If you're looking for management and you don't live in LA, it can actually be a turnoff. You know, if your pitch and you as a writer are good enough, it won't matter in the end. But if someone's on the fence, they're going to tend to go with people who are more readily available for meetings and pitches. So if you aren't from LA, at least give the impression that you are wanting to move there soon or willing to move. And another thing that I've experienced myself is that being from another country invites a lot of visa issues for working in the States. Again, if you are good enough, you can get those kind of like artist visas, but it's just one more obstacle in your way and an obstacle in the way of someone who might be looking to take you on as a client or something. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot about the illusion of availability on some level. I think if if you work abroad or in another state, you shouldn't be proud necessarily of not being in LA because... You're better to just not mention it yeah. and then let it come up later once they've already invested in you and the, you know, in the like, all right, great, sir. We, we love your writing. And we love you. And you're like, oh, actually, I've got to move to LA. And they're like, well, that's cool. We can deal with that. It's a common thing for people out of state to when they send resumes to get jobs in LA before they move to mm-hmm. put an LA address from a friend or a cousin yeah. or whoever, because they want to give the illusion that they are actually in LA and available to network and meet people and interview. And it's the same thing for pitches. You want to be in LA, even if you pretend you're in LA. <laughs> So now what we're going to get into is that middle stage, what we're calling like the general meeting kind of pitches. Um, this is when the the people you're pitching to are already familiar with you as a writer or the project, and they kind of want you to pitch it to them. You know, for whatever reason, they want to hear your ideas and they've invited you to pitch it in some form or another, or at least for you to come in and talk about you as a writer and what you've been doing. Yeah. And so those general meetings or general pitches usually happen most commonly at networks or companies' offices, you know, like Adult Swim, Disney Anime TV, uh, ABC, whoever it is. And then it's either going to be sitting around a conference room table or even if it's a one-on-one, it's going to be at at that person's office on a couch maybe. Um, There's other specific, more professional settings like festivals where you could have those general meetings. Uh, For example, as I mentioned previously, I went last year to the New York TV Festival and that's the kind of festival where you've already been quote-unquote vouched for as one of the artists selected because of a previous project. Now you'll have the opportunity to meet these people in a general meeting setting at the festival because they're there for work. And so you'll be meeting with different representatives of various companies, agencies, and so on. Um, Now, unlike the cold or casual pitch, as we said, the main distinction is now we're kind of moving to a more fully professional setting and context. 
It's usually you're going to be fitted within someone else's schedule. It's not just a casual, like random meet. And in terms of who's going to hear these pitches, we're starting to move up the ladder a bit now. It's unlikely that you're going to take a full on general meeting with just someone's assistant. So what you're looking at now are the lower level and junior executives up to the mid level. Um, these people aren't the final decision makers, but they are the more so the gatekeepers of that realm. They are the coordinators, the managers of development, um, creative executives and that kind of thing. These are the people the assistant might have referred you on to. So yeah, you can have general meetings with those higher level people if someone's referred you on to them, but uh, unless they're specifically asking for you to pitch a project to them, you shouldn't presume they want to hear about your show. It's more just getting to know you. Now, the goal of those general pitches and meetings is to make the other person want to take the next step. And that next step is either make them want to hire you as a writer or move up the chain to potentially be invested in the project you're pitching. So in terms of the do's and don'ts for these more general meeting pitches, like we said before, don't actually like hard sell pitch your show itself Mm -hmm. until they've made it clear that it is a pitch for that project. Usually they just want to meet you and get a better idea of who you are, uh, hear what you're working on as a writer. Sometimes they've actually already read a script of yours and uh, that's what got you in the room. So they, they may or may not actually want to make that project with you, but you've got their attention. Yeah. And much like the casual meeting, you should really come in with one main project you want to pitch. And maybe it's going to be possibility they'll want to hear other ideas. So you should be prepared for that. But it's more about if they ask for other things, it's more going to be log lines or things like that instead of a full like 20 minute pitch. As we said before, at the pitch first level, don't make them choose between multiple projects. Lead with the one that you you love and you're passionate about. It's fine to have other things you're working on, but pitch this one project well rather than two or three projects at a time poorly. You know, if you don't have strong feelings one way or the other about you know which one they should choose, then why should they? Remember that someone is giving you their time. As we said, this is the step where you'll be scheduled into other people's uh, times so be respectful of how long they have maybe it's only 30 minutes maybe it's only coffee maybe it's a full hour since you're the one imposing theoretically on someone else when you approach the end of the meeting make sure they're fine with you continuing to talk which shouldn't be like an impossible task if they are actually passionate about what you're pitching uh certainly do have an idea of where your show uh, lives you know what network it should be on uh, shows that it might be similar to tonally tell us up front so that they have that kind of frame in mind they put a put a structure around it and then fill it in you don't want to get to the end and turns out you were pitching a comedy and they thought you were pitching a drama (laughs) you know be clear and decisive about the tone of your story if it's a procedural embrace that you know yeah don't don't beat around the bush on the fact that you want to tell weekly self-contained stories versus a serialized thing just make all of this very clear and then you can get into what's really going to sell them the third version of that is you should tailor what you're pitching to who you're pitching it to Um, you should already be aware of who you're going after, specifically the company you're having a meeting with. Do your homework and know the shows they make, the stories they tell, the writers they hire. You know, speak their language. If you're going out to Freeform, they'll want a specific angle and take on the stories you want to tell. Maybe it's more relationship-based than something like Spike TV. So an example as stars, when I saw the the VP of uh, Drama Stars, there was a big point about the pitches they were hearing from the executive side was more about servicing the underserved was how they put it. So for example, Outlander and the Queen uh, was more of a female audience or Power or Survivor's Remorse is more of a black audience. And so they were looking for shows for the LGBT community or the Latino audience and, and stuff like that. There are actually documents that are circulated every kind of buying season to the agencies and different places like that that are called network needs documents. There are ones for broadcast, for cable, for the, uh, the streaming services. And it's those companies basically telling people who could be pitching them projects from writers and things exactly what they want to buy and 
make pilots of and put on air this season. If you have any way to get your hands on those, if you know assistants and people like that, maybe check those out, especially if you have a meeting coming up with one of those companies. And then part of that is actually knowing what they already have on the air and in that way, what they might be not looking for right now as well. You know, play to what they need and what they don't need. Why is your show the perfect one to fill that gap? Also remember that you're not pitching at someone. It's a conversation. You know, they're people in your corner and want you to succeed. And there's this other thing that everyone calls reading the room. So find what they're responding to in your pitch, what they're latching onto, and work to that. You know, I was pitching a show to Disney Animated TV, and they mentioned that they really like their shows to have heart. So I, I delved into why and how my show really did have that kind of heart at the bottom of it. It wasn't all just like cynical kind of humor. You're not being dishonest by like catering to that. You're just amplifying the aspects of that are already there so that it's clear to them. I mean, it's like any conversation. If you talk with someone about a subject that interests both of you, then you'll definitely dig deeper into that subject instead of changing something. And also, it's not about just reading a script uh, like it's a prompter. You want to be engaging and genuine. These are people you're going to be meeting with, so you should be prepared to stop and answer any questions they have. If someone asks you a question about a character or a story beat, that means they're actually invested in what you're saying, so embrace that and dig deeper you know you can write down what you want to say broadly speaking but be prepared to stop and go in different directions depending on what they say and don't feel like they're kind of like pointing out flaws in your thing or whatever it's it's like alex said it's because they're invested and sometimes you might not have an answer to their question and that's okay like you don't have to just come up with it instantly on the spot just be like well that's a really great question i'm gonna think about that and get back to you or something so and i find another really important thing here is to still keep it fairly casual and relaxed at this level they want to get a sense of your personality and if they could work with you uh they're going to be spending 12 months developing a project with you maybe more if they're interested and um, you're going to be communicating a lot coming in from meetings they want to see that you are cool that you're you know confident you're passionate and excited have a lot of ideas but you're also kind of like chill and laid back and not just like crazy um Mm -hmm. you know people have called it a relaxed confidence you're not a robot or a used car salesman you're a person and they're not just a giant floating paycheck they're also a person so connect on that level yeah, and don't don't be discouraged if they don't necessarily respond to your pitch or you or you know project you want to make with them. Um, if you look at the breakdown of pitches in TV networks, you know Fox, for example, the comedy department has about four hundred pitches every year, and fifty of those go to script, and only eight go to pilot. Now on the studio side, if you look at ABC Studios, they listen to about two hundred and fifty pitches a year, and of those fifty are bought. 10 go to pilots and only three go to series. So imagine three series out of 250 pitches. So don't be discouraged. It's just a numbers game. And then most of those series don't get past the first season. So yeah. it's, a, it's a very, it's disheartening sometimes, but just be aware that there's going to be a lot more failure before there is success. And again, keep in mind that the people that you are taking these generals with usually aren't the final decision makers. They are the gatekeepers to these people. If you can get them excited about you and your ideas, then they will want to take it to their bosses. They can even put you on a staffing list, which is people they will suggest to the showrunners on their shows if it's a network or just kind of a more general, here are some writers we'd like to work with lists for production companies or it could get you to the next step that we're about to talk about the sales pitch and then in terms of the documents that leave behinds uh every company every person is different it's not usually a bad idea to actually have a document you want to give to someone after that pitch if only so they can remember what you said 
uh, when I was pitching to Disney, I actually brought in a hard copy of like a one pager and a sure Bible. And, uh, they took a look at it while I was pitching, which was, you know, cool, something for them to, to look at, see some images and things like that. But then afterwards they just asked me to send digital copies of these so they could look over them again, send them on to people. Yeah. I mean, visuals are always a great idea if they're re- relevant to where you're pitching, uh, but don't make like a big show of it. It should be, you know, ingrained in what you're going to be pitching about. <laughs> Let's look at the final step in that ladder, and that's the pitch meeting or sales meeting. Now, this is when you're going to be pitching your show to get people attached to your project or financially invested in it. This is the final step, which usually will be repeated multiple times as you meet with various decision makers across different companies involved. This is kind of where you bring in your your whole team, if you will. You know, if you have anyone else attached to the project, whether producers, uh, a writer, if it's not you, or a, a co-writer, um, a director. This is the, where you do your kind of big show, your song and dance for all the big wigs. And those uh, pitches usually happen at conference rooms, companies, their turf. So, and in terms of who you're pitching these two on the sales pitches, uh, as Alex said, the dragons of the dragons, the dragons, dance. dragons. Dance. Um, anyone from the CEO of the company to their head of development or acquisitions, uh, some of the bigger networks and stuff you might only get uh, like a vp or evp svp something like that and they usually bring a posse with them so there's i would say most pitches there are three plus execs in the room so that later they can all go away and discuss it and try to come to a decision yeah i mean nothing will be sold until someone with any buying power decides what to do and moves forward or not so let's get into the do's and don'ts for this although it will be a little briefer than our previous sections because honestly we haven't personally been a part of these pitches we're not really at that stage of our career yet so anything we say would just be secondhand and hearsay we think that largely you can apply some of the same do's and don'ts that we covered in the general meetings the main difference is that these sales pitches tend to be more polished perhaps a little bit longer uh, and they involve more important people not that junior execs aren't important but you're, you're doing more of a hard sell pitch and it can be a little more rehearsed and scripted if you want at least for that initial section before the questions and conversation uh, be a little less casual as well because you might have like the head of mbc in the room you don't want to just like roll in and be way too chill for what's going on <laughs> Yeah, I usually wear a clown costume every time I walk into a pitch. <laughs> do a somersault in, like ride a little tricycle do around do the room. Do do do. And this is why you should buy my drama. <laughs> <laughs> About clowns? <laughs> so now that we've looked at the three major ways you'll be pitching uh, and who you'll be pitching to and so on, let's give a brief overview of what you should be including in the pitch in the general meeting. So we're just going to go over a couple of very broad points as to what you should include in a pitch, um, but we're not going to delve into a super amount of detail. Now, the main thing is the pitch should be about why, not what. It should be about why this show. It should be about why you should write it and why now. It's a, basically about your original voice and the original characters that inhabit it. A uh, pitch is not simply reading out the plot points of your story in order. You really need to be summarizing these things for people. In a sales pitch, your actual kind of like pitch presentation might be anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes, maybe even 30 to 45, but shorter is better. No one's ever thought that, you know, oh, this would be really great if it was just a longer pitch. Yeah, I think uh, The Hobbit was pretty short, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other side is, you know, from the get-go, you need to explain the engine of your show, what happens each week and so on. You know, you got to give an example at some point of like episode two. This can make a big difference to understanding the mechanic of that show. We should be upfront about the identity of the world also. 
Jonathan Gabby, who's like the VP of comedy development and programming at Fox, when I met him, he mentioned that the example of the last man on earth pitch, which was one of the better pitch he had uh, heard that year uh, for obvious reasons. But part of it was because the creators were upfront about this idea that other survivors would inhabit the world and wouldn't just be literally the last man on earth, i.e. Will Forte uh, on earth for like 10 seasons. That's why I think it's important to articulate exactly what you're trying to sell them in the first sentence almost. Most, you know, uh, title is a half hour TV comedy aimed at broadcast, or it's a, an hour long TV drama for cable. If you're not pitching to a specific company, then you can even give examples. Like I think this would really find its home on ABC or stars. So be specific. Don't try to accommodate everyone and everything. I really hated hearing pitches where people were like, well, this could be on, um, like ABC prime time, but it could also be like a really gritty HBO drama. I don't know. And it's like, well, you should know. Like to me, that feels like you don't have a clear idea of what the tone of your show is and what your show would be like. Uh, on the page or on the air. Yeah, that doesn't mean every show ever is entirely unique. There's there's such a thing as this meets that. You know, there's built-in comparisons you can make, and it's going to be easier for people to remember, you know, if you pitch Doctor Who meets uh, Community. I have no idea what that looks like, <laughs> but uh, it sounds interesting. Maybe, probably not. Um, there's also a difference between having layers to your pitch and it actually being clear. These initial pitches need to be crystal clear, especially when it comes to concept and characters. It's, it's about the purity of your idea. You gotta be concise and evocative. The through line of your pitch is about your passion and how this project is original. And while it is great to make those comparisons to other shows so that people have kind of a clear idea of what it could be like, it's also really important to show them how your project or your script stands out from everything else on the market. You know, especially if it's something like a cop procedural, um, why is it unique and sellable? There are multiple shows on the air at any one time that are like some cops track down a killer, but each of them has something unique to it that people are going to tune in for and they can differentiate between them. You know, it takes a lot of work to, to option or buy and work and develop and sell a project. So it needs something at every stage where people can be like, this is why this is different than anything we've ever seen and why people are going to want to tune into this. And this is truly special to bother with all that effort. Yeah, I mean, The Good Wife is very different from The Practice, for example. It's a completely different legal show that than uh, Suits even. And part of that is also tailing back to your personal connection to that project. Remember that TV is intrinsically a personal medium. You want to connect your own story to that of your pitch. Usually I connect some of my stories to this idea of like the stranger in a strange land, the person that comes into the world and doesn't really know the dynamics of that world and needs to adapt to it. Happy endings happen at ABC Studios because uh, Amy Hardwick, who works in the comedy department of uh, the studio, liked a Blacklist script by David Caspi, uh, which was really unique and authentic about his story. Part of it is about letting us or other people know who you are, the experiences you have, the, uh, the competitions you have won, but also why are you telling that story? It's kind of like what we talked about in the previous episodes about when you take showrunner meetings. Why is someone going to want to have you in their room as a writer? What unique perspectives and experience do you bring to that? The exact same thing applies when you are writing your own original show. So really take a think about that and what it is about you that makes you unique. Why couldn't they just hand this to someone else and have them write it instead? 
And jumping on the unique aspect of it, most people and companies want the focus of those pitches to be about the characters and their dynamics, not just the story of the concept. You want to create a sense of familiarity and depth enough that it gives that sense. We don't want, you know, a biopic or you don't want the whole backstory of, uh, of their uh, childhood or anything like that. But it's about that knowledge of character that will transcend the story. Why are they the way they are? Why do they behave or do the things they do? So yeah, try to keep it within your unique voice, but also don't be too precious about your ideas. <laughs> Some people, when they're pitching, do straight up lie or make stuff up on the spot when they're reading the room because who's actually going to tell them that they're wrong? It's their idea. They can kind of do whatever they want with it. Dan Harmon, I think, is is kind of a proponent of this. He's just like, tell them whatever they want to hear to like make them hire you and then you can figure it all out from there. So Wait, I, 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 got, I got this uh, pitch document that I got from your hard drive that doesn't match what you told me last week when you pitched that, <laughs> that show. Yeah, no one's sitting there cr- crossing all the I's and dotting the T's. let's launch into the takeaways from this episode um number one really know the difference between what is a cold or casual pitch what's a general pitch and what a sales pitch is number two learn and understand the do's and don'ts of each one of them you know you're pitching to different people in different contexts you got to tailor your pitch to them in the pitch be really clear about why this story why you and why now And finally, focus on compelling characters and unique world. Uh, Don't just explain a convoluted plot or a generic concept. Be unique. So what are some resources that we can throw at people to to take away from today's episode? Well, uh, my resource is actually a game. Uh, I am a big uh, board gamer, and there's this new uh, party game that I tried called By the Rights. And it's basically a fun little pitching game where players create kind of their own movies based on four uh, cards. So one card would be the genre, the second card would be a hero, and there's the descriptor and the plot. And then basically a card is drawn for each category by the producer or the judge every round, and then the other players pitch their movie ideas to him or her. That sounds really fun. Um, do you want to try it right now? Okay, sure. Let's, let's do, do it. it. All right. Uh, the website, if you go to the website, they actually have a free generator of cards. And so I'll, I'll generate one for each right now. Boom, 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 boom. All right. So the What's genre, the website I want to the genre it's by the rights game.com. All right. Well, you're not going to see what I'm seeing, but, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say, uh, I'll tell you right now the, the cards. So the genre is a horror movie. Mm-hmm. The hero descriptor is a homeless person. Okay. The hero is a circus bear. <laughs> and wait, wait, the, the hero is a homeless person and the hero is well, a I mean, circus the, bear? The hero descriptor. So like oh. the circus bear is homeless, actually. Okay, the see, circus bear is homeless. It's a horror movie. And the plot is the bear, the homeless circus bear, is learning karate from an aging janitor. <laughs> <laughs> so pitch me a movie. I gotta pitch you that. <laughs> All right, let's pause for two seconds while I think about it. Um, this movie is, uh, I don't have a title for it yet, but essentially what happened was this, there was a bear working in the circus who did the kind of like dancing bear stuff and he like rode the little car around with the hat and you know, all that kind of thing. And uh, one day this guy came along um, came and watched this circus show and uh, loved it so much that he went to the ringmaster and he decided that he wanted to buy the circus from him. And the ringmaster was like, no, this is a family business. You can't take this circus from us. Um, you know, I've held it for a hundred years. And he's like, well, and turns out this guy was uh, some kind of like dark sorcerer. And uh, he ends up killing the ringmaster and like stealing the circus from him. Uh, and the bear manages to escape in, in all of this process, but all of his friends, his uh, humans and animals and things like that get caught up in that. So, the bear is now homeless, having uh, lost his circus. 
and uh, he he flees into the woods and one day stumbles upon uh, a janitor at a nearby like power plant station and uh, the bear like, like you do in the woods of course yeah and uh, <laughs> you gotta have, who cleans the woods Alex um, and uh, tells him his story because this bear was granted the power to speak when the wizard took over it all makes so much sense I know and essentially this janitor agrees to train him in karate so that he can take the circus back um, but then once he goes there with the janitor he finds out that this this evil sorcerer has actually changed fundamentally what the circus is it's now now, humans who have come to watch the circus have become the circus act. And he's like twisted wow. them in a dark way. And there's all these like weird animals from the forest, like watching the human circus act. So that's that the sounds amazing. I, I think a DreamWorks animation is going to make a movie out of that. I think uh, so too. I think it's a fun for the whole family. I'm going to give you a budget of $20 million. Thank you. Fantastic. Uh, amazing. Do you have any uh, resources uh, for, uh, for us? Uh, that, that is not a game. <laughs> Wait, I want you to do one, too. Like, yeah, this is not fair. Um, here we go. <laughs> Putting me on the spot now. Uh-oh. Okay. All right, let's do so it. So this is your your genre is cult classic. Uh, your hero descriptor is alcoholic. The hero is a Girl Scout troop. <laughs> <laughs> and the plot is trying to stop a bomb from blowing up a bus full of orphans. Full of orphans. Yes, yeah, so this is cult uh, classic. Think like uh, classic. like Wes Anderson. Uh, is that really? Because uh, I immediately went to a speed when you said a, a what, stop a bomb in a in a what? Trying to stop a bomb from blowing up a bus full of orphans. Bu- yeah, but like I, I want to hear your pitch on how Wes Anderson would direct a movie about an alcoholic Girl Scout troop trying to stop a bomb from blowing up a bus full of orphans. All right, so I uh, I have an amazing movie about a little girl uh, abandoned by Gwyneth Paltrow's character in uh, the Real Time Bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we all know uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's character was an alcoholic and so this daughter grew up without knowing her mother but she discovered a secret she discovered that her mother actually had one passion in life and that was alcohol and so she decided to join the Girl Scouts because for some reason Girl Scouts now have a, a brewing badge that you can get if okay. you are brewing some beer mm-hmm. um, and so she started getting a taste for uh, alcohol basically becoming her, like a mother also half of the Girl Scout troop uh, were orphans for some reason mm-hmm. uh, because you know it's, the story dictates it why not, um, why not? and uh, as the orphans all went on a, on a bus trip uh, to tour the local beer factory a crazy guy played by Jason Schwartzman uh, <laughs> hops on the bus and he goes on this rant about, you know, kids should not drink alcohol. Like, what is happening to our society? Blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And then this young Girl Scout, played by the lead of Moonrise Kingdom, obviously, uh-huh. goes on to this speech about how prohibition worsened alcoholism in America and so on. And then uh, Jason Schwartzman is reasoned with by this little girl and is swayed by her pastel dress. Mm-hmm. And uh, he relents and stops the bus uh, from blowing up. Truly, uh, I, I just, hold on. I think I got a single tear in my eye. Right <laughs> it was a truly really nice. beautiful, um, beautiful movie by. Uh, did you by, mention that there was a bomb on the bus? Did I? I mean, uh, it, it makes complete, <laughs> it, it makes complete sense that Jason Schwartzman is the bomb. It was right? an emotional bomb. <laughs> it was an emotional bomb, exactly. <laughs> uh, by the way, this is definitely not how you should be pitching <laughs> in the room. Yeah, my pitch was uh, actually horrendous and broke all the rules that I just told you, sir. But it was uh, all on the fly. We promise. So it yeah. makes complete sense. If you actually have time to come up with a pitch, please follow the things that we told you do what we say not what we do yeah <laughs> uh okay and then my my resource is actually um a couple of videos uh, or podcasts of dan Harmon and uh, his advice on that we talked about how dan was willing to just kind of make stuff up on the spot if you wanted to so uh, we've got a link there to that video and there's also one um there's actually a noticed writers panel 
about a bunch of show creators and how they originally pitched their shows to the network and what compromises they had to make and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So thanks everyone for listening as always and investing your time in us. We would love some reviews. Uh, You can find that on paperteam.co slash iTunes. That's .co, not .com. And actually, we have a few reviews because we just released the podcast actually last week when uh, when we record this uh, very episode you're listening to. Um, so now we can actually read some of the amazing reviews uh, we got. And so one of them is by uh, Mendy Danger Style. Love the, <laughs> love the name, by the way. Uh, five out of five. And I quote, you know, I usually hate listening to random dudes talk about writing. Me too. Yeah. But these guys are awesome. Super knowledgeable and conversational unpretentious and real well then you've just negated that now we're yeah, being pretentious i know right yeah. uh they give you plenty of survival tips so their podcast morphs into an unofficial guide to living and working in la thanks paper team well thank you mindy dangerous style i love you oh well that's nice uh yeah i'm gonna read one um from thomas j rays but because you got to do a silly voice i'm gonna read it in the voice of christopher walken nice hello I just binged the first six episodes of this podcast. It's great. Really informative and fun. This is a must-listen for any aspiring TV writer. Add this to your screenwriting podcast queue, along with the script notes and the children of Tendu. Wow. <laughs> wow. Tendu. I love it. Uh, also, <laughs> shout out to the uh, Neo 474774, who gave us a pretty negative review, specifically about my quote-unquote speech impediment. Uh, that's an accent, Neo, uh, but thanks. And uh, also on my upspeak, that's uh, I do a lot of speak. Uh, so I, I paid special attention to this podcast and I'll do a single upspeak. So okay. you should re-listen to it <laughs> see if I did a single upspeak. I'll fill in with some upspeak for you. For and, you? Uh, yeah. We can, yeah. Right. Um, but no, we do actually appreciate helpful criticism and that sort of thing. If you do have something like that, certainly feel free to email it to us and we will try to correct that as a, we would prefer that to like, you know, a, a worse rating. But we're not saying, please don't say anything, don't say anything bad about us. We love you we guys. Are, we are welcome we to, guys. to, to change and to fix anything that we are not doing as well. So and in fact, us. you can send a feedback, thoughts or opinion at ask at paperteam.co and if you have any pitches about the aforementioned homeless bear or alcoholic yeah uh, go to that website go to uh buy the rights game.com we promise we're not sponsored by them and then generate your own thing and i want people to send in their best like paragraph long pitch i mean we're not we're not sponsored yet i mean i'm not gonna say no to uh, if buy the rights uh, creators uh, want <laughs> if to buy the rights.com <laughs> wanted to to tell the buy the rights no anyway. yeah so next week, uh, we are going to have some special guests. Um, Again. Mm-hmm. Our good friends, Frankie and Kelly, to talk about their experience of um, diversity in TV writers rooms and diversity initiatives and uh, just their experiences as, you know, diverse writers uh, in this industry. It's going to be an awesome conversation and uh, we'll see you guys next week. See ya.